Welcome back to another episode of On Repeat with me, Ellie Rashid. And me, Hattie Winter. And me, Luke. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> We're going to try a, a live introduction, which is something we've never done before. So it's good to have you here for this bit. Luke, do you want to try and introduce yourself? Okay, okay. My name is Luke. Um, I am a musician. I'm a DJ, a producer. I'm currently working as a high school teacher in South London. I am gearing up for my debut single release in January. Uh, Exciting. And I focus mainly on house music, techno, um, bass focused music. And yeah, I love electronic music. I love all genres of music. And um, one more time, I love music. <laughs> and you produce under the moniker. Yeah, I'm under the moniker Lucasade. So <laughs> that's that is important. Yeah. Important to get that out there. If you can't remember my name, it's in the moniker as well. So with your like with your official bio, then if we're gonna be really professional about this, uh, partly just because I want to see your face when mm. we say it and see how you react to it. So Luke is an up and coming musician from Northern Ireland. He is currently spinning plates as a producer, DJ, and high school music teacher in South London. Luke focuses on house, techno, and bass music. He is releasing his debut single under the moniker Lucasade in January. Indeed, and at the end of his bio, he has the words, go, you're going to, I'll probably butcher this, go, ripe, meal, meath, agat, which I believe is not like Irish for thanks a million. Yeah, you did butcher it, I'll be honest, but... uh... (laughs) I didn't. I didn't expect this to make it into the podcast. I, I regret putting it in, though. Yeah, we like to surprise. I like to surprise. Uh, it's. Um, I just yeah. said to Ellie, "Go and meet Just thanks. Oh a God, million. I did butcher it. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's so bad. So, Luke, how is it li- like listening to someone say your bio to you? Because we've never done this to a guest before, and then obviously there's that contrast with you actually explaining who you are how does that feel um it's a bit weird I'm, I don't I'm one of those people that finds it hard to accept a compliment so when someone else is like reading a bio that I sort of helped write I'm a bit <laughs> bit taken back by it but um yeah it's all right it's all right how would you feel if I uh if I wrote a bio for you and read it out should I do one for you I'd hate it Luke. I'd hate I don't it. hate it but it's, it's weird Mate, there's nothing worse than hearing something about yourself in the third person. You just, it's so cringe. Mm. It's the worst thing. And so many musicians have Mm -hmm. to do it. And like Mm. actors and, and well, a lot of people have to do it, don't they? And LinkedIn, that's where, that's the home of the third person bios. Yeah. It's it's something you have to get used to. Like you have to get used to selling yourself. Mm. Um, And it's, it's something that you're not really taught a skill is how to sell yourself. Um, 100%, 100%. And Luke, this reminds me, um, I'm going to tell our listeners about this and Hattie because she doesn't know, but this reminds me of the time we were at that um, art yes. exhibition yes. a few weeks ago. So do you want to explain what happened? Well, but first of all, Ellie is so good at selling me. Um, I think I'm bad at <laughs> Ellie, Ellie's really good. Yeah, I... I I need Ellie with me at all times in case I bump into anyone that could be a potential contact. So she can like, <laughs> I'm really bad at introducing myself. And I'm, I think I'm, I feel, I get a bit, I get a bit nervous with I'm trying to make contacts and socialize because it feels so put on and so forced. And, uh, mm. and Ellie is so good at breaking the ice. And she, and she, oh, she'll just, she does this thing. She will, Maybe break there. So ask a really stupid question and they just look at her like she's an <laughs> idiot. Like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? Then she's like, oh, by the way, here's Luke. And of course, you know, it's, it's a good <laughs> yeah. follow-up. I look good in comparison to that silly qu- question. 
I mean, this is exactly what happened. So we went to this private exhibition um, in um, in Shoreditch. It was just it was like just off Brick Lane, and we didn't really know what we were doing there, did we? No, I was just excited to get out of the house, you know, after lockdown. Uh, yes. It's the small things nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It was like that tiny window where you could kind of go out and places were starting mm-hmm. to open up. So we just took the opportunity. And there were basically loads of sort of upper middle class artists, mm. very eccentric mm. kind and of looking I'm not people. Used to be and people. Yeah, neither, neither. And it was you know, I'm used to, you know, I'm used to artists, but not the kind of like upper class ones. Mm, I was like, yeah. all right. So yeah, you're right. I did say something stupid, didn't I? About someone's you're umbrella. Like, oh, is that an umbrella? That's a lovely umbrella. Yeah. It, yeah. It was so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I managed to kind of like sell Luke. I find it so much easier to sell my mates because I believe in them probably oh, and I know them well you. rather than myself. So I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I was selling Luke a little bit and uh, they were interested in him being like a private DJ at their amazing sounding parties. Mm. And I still think you should chase that up, Luke. I might, yeah, I, I probably should. Um, I, yeah, I just, uh, I'm just, I just want, I'd rather they, you know, I'm not sure if they want me. I'm not sure if I'm the right vibe or that sort of party. <laughs> I don't want to sort of like button be button. Like, By the way, we met like a, a month ago. Can I still come do this? I should. That's yeah. what I should do. But I think I, mm, I feel yeah. self-conscious. Um, it's quite that. hard to do. And I, yeah, I think, as you said, as well, it can feel a bit like put on or like a bit forced. And it's sometimes really hard to network. Yeah. And the other thing is like business cards as well. I feel and websites. I feel like less people have business cards and websites now and they're just like linked to Instagram and I forgot my business card when I needed it oh you forgot it remember that time we were um we met the guy I forgot my business card the only time that I actually needed it and it would have been really useful I forgot it do you think it's important though because obviously we met at uni and I knew you when you were playing like the flute and it's only recently you've got back into your kind of like DJ and stuff do you feel like it's important to have like a website and a business card what were the things that you had in mind and what do you still have in mind for building up your kind of brand I think business cards wise it's 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 something that's directed more at the older generation like people who are a bit older um who might want to book you a business card is handy there and there. I think some people really appreciate face-to-face contact and having something physical. Mm. Um, and that's what I get with a lot of older people. I think the younger generation, I think SoundCloud, Instagram is your business card. Mm. Um, Definitely. You don't even need a website anymore. You, you've got, you need a social media page that is pop, looks a certain way. Good point on uh, like physical business cards. I wonder if COVID will kind of see the end of, mm. of that. Because that's mm. interesting. And then you have to have something else. Also, I think like business cards, you can kind of just accumulate them. I've been to so many mm. networky mixer things and it's just like, what's the difference between one business card to the next? You know, mm. it's just got someone's name on it and how do you know mm-hmm. who it was? But I definitely think that like having the social media as like your calling card and your actual work out there to find is is way more important. Yeah, yeah. I, I do wonder if business cards will kind of become this novelty retro thing though in the future. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like like anyone who owns like typewriter or or uh, I don't know what's the like a vinyl or something like that a vinyl player like just the kind of it's true that is true retro uh, retro thing. Well, I, I think people always appreciate physical copies of items, don't they? Just like people came back to vinyl with such strong passion because whilst music moved to the digital age we wanted something that we could hold and appreciate and find um in a record crate uh maybe when people are making contacts they're socializing maybe having that business card will be the little thing that makes you stand out in 20 30 years yeah that's interesting Mm. isn't it how how do you feel about vinyl luke do you dj with vinyl I do. I started DJing on vinyl and then I moved to um, decks, like um, digital decks. Uh, I wanted to start on vinyl because I felt I have to, I have to understand how difficult it was for DJs first starting out on vinyl. Um, I want to, I want to learn to beat match by ear. Mm. Um, 
I want to. I, I, I love I loved digging through vinyl crates. I love finding records. I love finding a little gem, then being able to spin it in an, or to put it into one of my mixes. Um, you don't get the same random sets um, with digital music. You can't find a random record shop from India. Um, sorry, you can't find a random record from India in South <laughs> London um, and add it to your sets the, sa- the same way. Um, but I, I grew up around vinyl. My dad has a massive vinyl collection. Oh. Um, is he's he hates electronic music. By the way. He, like, <laughs> he's he, a purist. He, 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 he really hates. He he um he really loves rock music. Um, like sixties onwards. Um, he's really big into rock music. So I grew up with like sixties, seventies, eighties rock. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of vinyl. Um, copies in the house. Hey, with. With the rock? No, no, oh. I, no, I, I, I grew up with it. I liked it. I appreciated it. But I, you know, found my own thing. I found electronic music. I found bass heavy dance music, and I loved it. Um, mm. Same with hip hop. I like hip hop as well. I like jazz, and all of a sudden you're able to match these, you know, dance based music genres and put them together. Yeah, and make them. Time. When you were learning to beat match, or I guess when you were just learning, not even beat matching, when you were learning to play with vinyl, what do you think was the biggest kind of like hurdle to overcome? Um, biggest challenge um, for me was learning to beat match by ear. Um, just getting used to it, getting used to the touch of the record playing, how much you got to nudge it, how much you got to put it back, um, and just building up that ear. Just like with lots of musicians, you build up a musical ear. It was like a similar thing. Um, I had to learn to build up my listening skills and really pay attention to the subtle differences in tempo. Mm. Do you think it's made you a, a better DJ? Yeah, I, I I don't know if it's made me a better DJ. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I, I don't think it's made me a better DJ. I think it's made me. I think it's maybe a basic DJ. You know, I'm not. I, I, I do what I do. Um, it's um, it's definitely helped me appreciate um, how DJing started. It's it got me really interested in Grandmaster Flash and how he helped create DJing, um, and how how crazy it was that he was um, looping records by year using really old equipment, um, and how that started off hip hop as well. So it's. It's helped me appreciate hip-hop as a genre of music. It's helped me appreciate um, how it began with the first DJs. Um, and when I watch DJs perform live and do very fast mixing on vinyl, I'm, I am very impressed. Mm, it is really amazing to see. There's loads of like archived sort of footage of really big DJs now. I think there's a really good one of like Mark Ronson with like, you know, like bags and bags crates and crates of records mm. and it is just something that you just don't see very often it's got like a real I don't know I don't want to say nostalgia but there's something so like nice about it to see like a physical a physical record mm. I think you're right to say nostalgic it has become nostalgic um every time I see a DJ now it's, it's, it's about nine out of ten times it's digital um and that's not a bad thing I think we should embrace technology and if it, it helps improve our performances and it helps improve our lives, definitely. Um, but yeah, some people want to embrace what we started out with as well. And I completely get that. I think I always see vinyl as something very special. Like I can buy a lot of music, but there's some, if I really like something, I will get it on vinyl. It's like a, a treat kind of thing, like mm, something to have mm. and something to keep. Yeah, you cherish it, don't mm. you? If you? If you really put the extra effort into spending or you put the extra little bit of money into it you buy a a nice vinyl copy rather than a digital track then you you cherish it a bit more and you appreciate it so you grew up in northern ireland right and um i'm kind of interested to to hear about what that was like and how your how your like musical journey started really because I would have never guessed all of this from you first time I met you and for the time I knew you at Goldsmiths because you played the flute (laughs) so how how did that journey begin like how did that all start take us through um 
it was sort of not, I think it was non-existent when I was growing up in Northern Ireland. When I, I came to London when I was 18. Uh-huh. I was in a completely different environment. I was in a, a far more open-minded environment. Mm. I was surrounded by people from all cultures and all walks of life and people that explored music. Um, oh. Obviously, because we went to Goldsmiths together, we were studying music, we were surrounded by all sorts of musicians. Um, and that was a really good thing. It was... Uh, Really good eye opener for me, <laughs> an ear opener, I should say. That Very well done. That was now cut that off. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I went from this this environment. It, I don't want to put it down, but it, it is surrounded. It's more conservative. It's more um, set in its way. You will get a lot of people that listen to dance music, electronic music, of course. Um, I'm from Derry. There's lots of big techno nights in Derry. We've had mm. drum code come to Derry. Um, and I think that's great, but you're not surrounded by this same industry and you're surrounded by, I think, a very small minority of the youth listening to this sort of progressive music. And then everyone else and all the other clubs, it's just crappy chart music, you know, it's just cheesy beats. So yeah. do you wish that you'd gone to sort of study or go straight into DJing or are you glad that you studied? Um, that's a good question. Do you know what? That's I, I, I Sometimes I wish I studied the pop um, focus degree at Goldsmiths. And I, I think it's because I think it would have helped me learn to market myself. It would have helped me learn to look at the music industry um, more so than the degree I did. Um, I think it's sort of forcing you to become a live and in-action musician mm. who's putting themselves out there, they're writing their own music. And it took me to actually start working full-time as a teacher to mm. actually say, hold on, why am I, why have I not done this years ago? Only now I'm putting my own music, my own music out there and only now I'm yeah. actually trying to get myself out there. Yeah, it's... How did you learn how to do that then? You say you, you didn't get it from Goldsmith. So, I mean, if we have listeners um, who are thinking, how do I get myself off the ground? Do I need to study? Do I need to do this? What would you say to them? Do you do you think they they should just learn it as they go, learn for themselves, keep kind of like gigging, as Harrison, one of our guests, has said? Or like, what is, is studying important? I think, yeah, I think, I think there's a journey to it. I definitely think, obviously... I'm very classically trained. Um, I studied, you know, a, a classically focused music degree. Um, mm. my, I'm a classical flautist. I'm also a jazz flautist and a jazz instrumentalist. Um, and that's played a big part in my personality and that's played a big part in my music. It's helped me appreciate um, the complexities of music. And I think mm. I can, you know, bring that into my electronic music as well. I'm able to write maybe yeah. think about chord progressions that are a bit more harmonically complex. Um, and it's, I've obviously always got the flute, you know, I can record myself play the flute. <laughs> I can record myself play the saxophone. Maybe I'll do some mad remix of some Bach or Beethoven. I don't know. It's I've got mm. that little bit of difference to your average electronic DJ or producer because of it. Yeah. Do you, I like use that do you sample yourself into your music I, I record myself play flute a lot yeah um I, I I I'm a massive nerd for the flute I love it it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's like the most uncool instrument I could play when people look at me and they find out I play the flute they're a bit taken back um <laughs> what I think it suits you I yeah but you knew me from like the start didn't you Ella you like you met Flutluck before. Uh, yeah, Flutluck. Flutluck. <laughs> I think it's such a cool instrument. And actually, funny enough, it's come up um, a couple of times on the podcast and people, like, if they could learn any instrument. And they, like, I think away from the sort of, I don't want to say common, but like, you know, the piano, the guitar, people yeah. are always like, oh, maybe like the sax or like the flute, yeah. the jazz flute. And maybe, I don't know, we've also spoken about like Lizzo playing the flute. So I think it's having a little bit of a, a resurgence and a rebrand as like a, a cool instrument. For sure. I, I wonder as well, Luke, like how does it feel to be um like a male flautist? Because I know that some people do associate certain instruments with gender. 
like I, I know people say oh you won't ever find like a male harpist or and it, I do think it is interesting that especially parents um like ass- assign their children to different instruments according to their gender things like that so did you choose to play the flute and how is it being a male flautist um well you're right there is um a gender bias with instruments uh, and bringing up a male harpist like you said I can't think of ever seeing a male harpist no and that's really interesting now that I think about it um, <laughs> but regarding me and the flute you're right most flautists are female um it's what you it's what people think about um but I think it was a bit different at university um most of there was myself and a couple other male flautists but when we there was obviously a lot more female for me I think the flute was sort of given to me my grandfather played the flute and um Mm. I remember when I was eight or nine years old going to his house and he would take out his really old flute that he hadn't played in years and he taught me how to make a sound out of it sick and um I I fell in love with it um I didn't stop playing it since um and it just became a part of my personality and a part of who I am um and I think it was that link with him that kept me playing it um kind of like I was getting a bit lost in what you were saying like when you were saying how much you loved it and I just thought it was so sweet because it it reminded me of um when my mum my mum used to play the flute and she had and still has I think a really old flute and I remember her getting it out and I just kind of like when you get that that lip technique right mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. the hell it's called I just remember being yeah, so um, satisfied <laughs> it's very difficult to get the embouchure for a flute so can, first just like lots right. of instruments yeah oh man yeah and, and, and also I know because Luke I know you're never gonna say this um but Luke is so amazing at the flute <laughs> like he's so so good like everyone would say how much Luke stood out like uh-huh. not even not even just on the flute but like on an instrument i know how much you're cringing right now luke <laughs> I'm, 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 tr- I'm, I'm trying to practice taking compliments i'm just not saying yeah. anything i'm not gonna that's reject another it thing. i'm just gonna i'm not gonna accept it that's another thing like we, we talk about sometimes like taking compliments is really hard mm-hmm. um definitely mm-hmm. uh but yeah I, I just remember there was that piece that we did luke when um i think it was like final year mm-hmm. and we had it was really really unusual wasn't it it was like a late romantic uh piece by Joseph Marx mm. I think mm. Danny Driver found it like in the depths of the Royal College of Music's library mm-hmm. and it was so hard it, it was. was so hard it was. some say it has it has a curse on it that piece of music oh really yeah what it's, it's that hard yeah it, it it just it gives you stress and it, it makes you you know <laughs> Sweat while playing it in front so, of an audience. <laughs> so oh I don't goodness. know anything about the flute. I don't know anything about classical music. So kind of, it, I'd love to know like why why it's so difficult. Like what is? I don't know. I really don't. I'm really like amazed by this. Well, you know, they they find a difficult piece and they find the three best performers <laughs> to give it to, and they thought, guys, if anyone can pull this off, it's you. You're you're the A team. You got this. And we, you know, I'm joking. I'm only joking. I see I'm being <laughs> cocky now. Um, um, so it was it was just a really difficult, challenging piece. Very technical, very complex. Three parts that are very hard to play in their own, and then trying to put them together. I think we did a good job, and I'm proud of us. I think we did. Uh, we enjoyed it, didn't very we? Very diplomatic answer. I'm not a better person, but I'm just saying I got the lowest mark out of the three of us. I'm not better well, about it though. We will write to Goldsmiths <laughs> and we will demand a recount. You're like <laughs> I, I think you should. Ellie I think Ellie deserves her mark, but just my mark could have been higher. Just saying. Just saying, Danny. <laughs> if you're listening. Your grandfather taught you to play the flute, or at least instilled the kind of love of it, and mm. your father is massively into rock. Um so you come from quite a musical background, I think, it's sort of fair to say. Uh, yeah, I left my mum out. She'll kill me if she ever listens to this. <laughs> um, she doesn't. Uh, she she really pushed the music in me because she loves music. She 
um, sang and she, I think she dabbled in clarinet a little bit for a couple of years, um, but she never really pursued music to the same level. Oh, no, actually, she started to learn piano when I was like three or four. When I was really young, I remember a piano coming to the house and my mom started to learn piano or relearn piano. Um, and I remember watching her learn it from mm. a really young age. And from like the age of like five, I was learning to read music from my mom with flashcards and stuff. Um, oh, wow. That's so, so she sort of instilled it in me from such a young age. I can't remember not being able to read music. That's um, so good. Do you think that's quite unique? Because I kind of have um, like parents and family that kind of see the importance of like music and arts and creativity. I didn't realise how lucky I was. Um, there's so many parents that want to push their kids to become a lawyer, become a doctor, go down um, the academic route. Uh, that's not for everyone. You should, if you want to express yourself through an art form, you're, and if you've got your family's backing, that's that's mm. an amazing thing. And it's quite, mm. it's, it's not common, actually. Lots of parents will push their kids. They appreciate music, but some people don't understand music and they don't understand the power it can have on you know, someone's well-being. Mm, definitely. Do you, um, I mean, I'm kind of thinking about you being a teacher. Do you yeah. ever experience that with the the students that you work with or maybe, like, their parents? Do you ever get, like, pushback when you're like, this is, it's not the same as math, science, English, blah, 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 but it's just as important? Yeah, well, I think with me, I find that I end up, getting some of the naughty kids, some of the kids that don't do well in the, the more academic subjects, like they can't sit through a math lesson, they can't sit through mm. an English lesson, but they find this lesson where they can be active, they can get that energy out and they can do well. And when I ring home and tell the parents that, you know, your kid's doing well, they're a bit taken back and they sometimes mm. say you're the first teacher to ring and tell yeah. me that. I'm so glad to hear. It's nice. It's always the music teachers. My music teacher was like that as well. It's always the music teacher, always the really? drama teachers. Really? They always, yeah, they always spot the, I don't know, they always spot the kids that need, kind of need that that place, mm. I think. Yeah. Must be intuition. Must yeah. be something to do with intuition. I think it's amazing. If it like, I, I think teaching is so important and I think it's instrumental to have the most inspiring music, drama and arts teachers really like that's what changes you I, I think teachers should just be like that in general to be honest but I know like like Luke I guess we have a lot in common and that's why we're we're like you're one of my best mates but mm -hmm. I think something that I love talking to you about is the way in which you approach your music lessons and I know that you like me like to integrate different genre mm. which is so cool um because like I know what like your background is as well. So take us through like some of the most interesting lessons that you've 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 taught and what kind of genres you've integrated. I've got some I can't show you, but I've got some funny video evidence <laughs> of my lessons. Um really. Well I've got so we um we have to take videos for um evidence for our exam board for key stage four music like GCSE. Mm -hmm. uh, um and one of the I was watching back at one of the videos the other day, and it looks like a, a drill video. It's, <laughs> <laughs> the camera's like shaking, and there's like drill beats playing. I've got a pupil with like a, he actually has a balaclava on one of the videos as well, doing that. Oh my god! And, and do you know what? He's killing it. He's killing it. Yeah. And um, you know, I was happy about it. He did well. That's 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 him getting better at his craft, and that's what the course is all about. Um, mm. I don't care what genre it is. I don't care um, what style of music, as, as long as they're getting better at their craft and getting better as a performer and they mm. can bring that to the music industry. That's what we're all about. That's how, how old are the students you teach? I teach from year seven up to A-level. Jeez. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Is that, I was going to say, is that, is that stressful? Yes, I. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like such a stupid question. Sorry. I'm. I'm not even 25 yet, and I've found a few grey hairs already. And I'm. I'm very. <laughs> I'm. I'm very fair. Um, you know, I shouldn't be finding grey hairs with my hair colouring, but um, 
Yeah, it is a stressful job, but um, it's 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 definitely worth it. It's it's I think shout out to all the teachers out there. If anyone's listening, um, yeah. you've got a stressful yeah. job, but you know you make a difference, and we appreciate you, and the kids appreciate you. Um, it's You're it's such a sweetie, job. Luke. <laughs> Yeah, that was a shout out too. to myself as well. <laughs> yeah, big up, big up. Spoken to loads of our guests about having a portfolio career and how having all of these strings to your bow complements different aspects of what you do. Do you feel like your teaching has influenced your creative process? definitely it's made me more it's made me more organized and it's made me mm. more strict with myself it's made me it's made me think about how i'm learning things if i don't know how to mm. do something or there's something i want to get better at maybe it's um mixing my kick and bass in a track or it's e- eqing a certain way i'll research it i'll teach myself to learn it in a far more um time efficient manner and um it helps me think about what I'm doing in a more practical way as well. I'm able to go back to my performances or my sets, evaluate how I'm doing, appreciate the good things. That's teaching's really taught me to do that. Te- appreciate the things that went well, keep mm-hmm. them in mind, you know, for motivation, and then look at things that could have been better. Um, and it's really helped me improve my process. Sick. That's a great answer. I've had the pleasure of singing on some of your tracks and it's been so nice to have worked with you on a classical level and also with your DJing and something that I found because, well, you know what I'm like, I'll just sort of probably sing the weirdest thing and you'll put it together and and cut it up. (laughs) But... um, I always found that whenever you asked me to sing on your tracks... I always imagined certain colours and um, they were different colours for every track, but they were kind of similar textures that seemed to bind together your music. What would you say that your kind of, what what colours do you imagine, if if any, or textures for your music? That's a good point. That's that's maybe, I get what you're saying. Um, I find every time I sit down and produce like a new selection of tracks it's different every time Mm. um and i think sometimes i worry about this i worry is it a bad thing that i don't have a really consistent similar sound every time i finish a track um Mm. but you could be right i'm really glad that you said that you hear like a consistency with textures it's always quite Mm. dense heavy textures Mm. bass heavy um and i i yeah i think i think i really love playing around my texture when i look at art and galleries when i listen to music when i listen to sounds um i've always been really obsessive over the timbre and texture of the music and i'm glad that that's coming through actually um because it's what i appreciate i wonder if your orchestral background kind of inspired that as well a little bit because you're listening to so many individual parts within an orchestra and in a way it's no different to identifying textures in other genres of music Mm, it could be um it might have made me you know help me when you're playing in an orchestra you can really feel the music climax as Mm. all the instruments come in and you realize how many instruments there are around you and the range of frequencies is incredible um Mm. And anyone listening out there who's never been to see a live orchestra, once lockdown's over, once we're back to normal, I can't recommend it enough. It's a it's a very valuable experience. Um, and more people should go listen to live orchestras. It's not even that expensive um, in London anyway. Um, Everyone take notes for when lockdown's over. I've got 101 things you can do after lockdown. <laughs> um actually that's what i was gonna say have you been teaching music in lockdown to your students yeah so when lockdown first happened in the summer i created a complete new unit for it i devised a music production unit for them that i could teach remotely from home um and that was surprisingly successful um mm. we continued to have online lessons every day i was teaching almost every day um and I was able to teach music production from home from my computer through screen sharing. 
Um, That's wicked. And the pupils, mm. all they needed was a, a laptop or a device. And any kids that didn't have laptops, we gave them school laptops and we got ones out to them. Um, but you, you, And it was really great, but you'd be surprised how many kids don't even have Wi-Fi. So how many kids that don't have right. laptops, all they yeah. have is a phone. Um, I was um, thinking about this. Like, what if you've got, like, you've got one home computer and you've got three kids that need to go mm. to school. Like, how does mm. that work? Yeah, a lot of kids were sharing devices. So whilst one had a lesson, the other one couldn't use the computer. Um, and it, it, we can't do anything about the family's income, but we can do something about school funding. Mm. Um, and it comes from the government down, how much money is allocated mm. to schools, how many kids are getting school, you know, getting fed. Mm. Um, that's yeah. one thing we can think about and make a difference. Luke, I just wanted to bring it back quickly to um, the colours, if you imagine any colours with your own music. Oh, sorry, I didn't actually answer your original question. I got wrapped up in the texture. Um, and, uh, the colours of my music, I think... Because I know you're quite visual, really. Yeah, you're quite a visual I think, person. I think it's in the genre of music, when I write a techno track, I definitely see dark grey colours. I see oh, interesting. maybe navy coming through. Um, when I hear really acidy synths, I see green and neon pink. Mm. Um, mm. And with my other music, I'm seeing lots of like, or lots of orange, green, blue, purple, pink, really bright, vivid colors that um, they're quite psychedelic. And mm. they'll come out with some tracks, but other tracks I'll create and they are more monocolor. That sounded so weird. Describing the colours that I see. <laughs> it's a really goldsmith's question, but I like it. It's a good one. Do you think that those uh, colours would influence spaces that you were to play in or even album artwork or the way you kind of put um, your aesthetic together? Yeah. Um, I, I, I love colourful things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you're producing electronic music, really colourful things is not the niche that are not the is not the cool thing at the minute um it seems to be with like techno and darker music and um electronic music it's quite you know darker colors it's darker music it's um but i sort of like that i think in the darkness you can have these sort of like bright colors come through through the instruments through the synthesizers it's funny isn't it when these things we're talking about they can seem so abstract but when you kind of pin it down and start thinking about it you realize how Mm. it really is just kind of floating in your head all the time and uh it's so it is so organic yeah amazing amazing and and another in terms of spaces to perform I mean I know it's difficult at the moment because no one's performing anywhere and I know that you write a lot of your stuff at home um but if you could pick a dream space to do a gig what would that look like? Dream space. Oh, I like yeah. that question. Um, and it doesn't have to be... Can it be anywhere? It like, can be anywhere. I mean, we've had, like, I think we've had some people say, like, in space before, you know? Like, we can get cosmic. Like, whatever you want. I think, um, for me, one of the reasons I got so heavily involved in electronic music was my experience clubbing. Um and I think it was experiencing the light shows, experiencing the, you know, the feel of the bass heavy speakers like rumbling through your body and it enclosed space. It's quite, I, I love intense environments. I love intense clubs. And I think that if I had a dream gig, it would be in a, it would be very light show focused in a big industrial warehouse. Something is not a club, something that's been turned into a venue. Um, a lot, a bit like Printworks in London, um, not the same space, but um, as an example of an old factory, um, it's dark. I don't know, somewhere new, somewhere big, but not too big. Um, somewhere you can feel comfortable, you know, you can feel part of a small community. That's, you know, um, and heavy focus on light show and signs. Big speakers, big lights. I actually now realise I miss gigs so much and I'm thinking about Printworks and it's such a huge space. I don't know what the capacity is, but it's just like mammoth I don't know but I do find that it's so funny because it's it's huge and expansive and you know you almost don't realize how big it is until you like look at pictures of the nights and you're like wow there's like thousands of people here 
but you can also feel like so like community and small and like you kind of like you make friends with your like dancing buddies and it's such a nice just like you look great you look great <laughs> so good I don't think I think that's one thing like I'm always gonna yeah. miss yeah you always there's always some guy there that's off they're not and they're just having the time of your life and you have a chat with them and it's lovely <laughs> yeah. I swear down I've met some of my best mates in in bathrooms on nights I, out uh, I, I had a similar experience really? I don't know what the men's bathrooms are like but there's always like no babe like you look amazing oh, grim. <laughs> the women's are grim um, too I, yeah I mean, <laughs> um, it was a te- it was a techno night that had uh, Ellen Alien uh, Massio Plex um, a few years ago um, in Printworks techno night that reminds me of what you said about um, you were talking about when you look back at the pictures of Printworks you don't realise how big it is just before lockdown, like two days before lock, a couple of days before lockdown, I went to a gig on Frontworks and they posted photos, like memes of what the UK was doing. And it was the gig that I was at just before lockdown. It's always Frontworks. Yeah, it was a silly decision. Next thing when I start, when I was doing A-level music, our school didn't have a lot of facilities. And when I was in my last year of school, they bought like a two Macs to Mac computers and we they bought a few interfaces, some microphones, pair of headphones, and we used GarageBand. Uh, my task was to record a piece of music um, to get used to recording and then to do a remix of that piece of music for a second task. And oh. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. Um, <laughs> using technology to record music and being able to have this creative power over the recording then, being able to remix it, being able to EQ vocals and bring out um, the mid-frequencies of a vocal and make it sound tinny like it's coming down the radio or really bring out the kick mm. drum and make it sound punchy. And I oh, I fell in love with it. And then when oh. I came to uni, I just went down that route. You just found more yeah. and more because um, I've only been to Northern I've been to Northern Ireland like maybe mm. a couple of times, always in mm. Belfast mm-hmm. for AVA Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like Northern Ireland's got a massive like electronic sort of music scene. There's so much going on, but I'm like, maybe do you know what? Maybe it's just such concentrated You're time. Right. No, I they know. do. When I, when I was growing up in Derry, it didn't feel that way because I was young and my friends. Do you know what? People older than us, they probably they they were probably listening to that sort of thing. But when you were in high school and you're sort of surrounded by you know, high school people, you're not, they're not, they're not cool. They're not listening to like new and progressive <laughs> music. But no, you're right. There is a big, there is a growing electronic music scene in Northern Ireland and that mm. makes me happy. Like yeah. bicep. 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 are like the yeah. biggest, I love biceps. I was, bicep so I was listening to Represent Radio the other day and, no, sorry, not Represent Playback and they were like bigging up biceps so much um, and playing their tracks. They've really, they've really blown up. So good. I was going to make a, um, like a tribute act to Bicep with two girls that I worked with. So it's going to be three of us and we're going to call ourselves ah. Tricep. But we never, <laughs> we never did it. That's funny. <laughs> um, but going back to what you were just saying, there's so much to talk about. And actually I did want to touch on remixing because you, it's obviously something that you started in your A-levels and you've, um, you're still doing now. Because if you like go through this, you've got loads of remixes of like really sort of, I'd say like popular Oh, like mainstream hip hop oh, kind of songs, like the... they're silly. They're just they're <laughs> to, let's uh, let's not even bring those up. Um, I I just get bored <laughs> and find a track. I'm like, let's let's turn this let's turn this Cardi B track I, into a techno remix. Let's see what I can yeah, do. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what is it you look for in a track that you're about to remix, or do you just go any? A lot of it's experimenting with um, the algorithms on SoundCloud for me. To be honest, um, sometimes mm. I I. I'm trying to get used to it, uh, and sometimes I'll say, "Right, let's 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 take a really popular track that lots of people are searching for. Let's let's make yeah. it my own thing. Let's remix it. Let's see what I can do with it. I'll have fun. I'm not going to take it too seriously. And let's put it out there and let's see what my um, insights are like. Let's see what sort of people are clicking at at what time, what they're searching for. Ah. So it's been a bit of an experiment, really. What have you What have you found? And have you remixed WAP yet? I did, yeah. I did. <laughs> That's some wet ass production. Do you know what? That's the sign bite for this podcast. (laughs) Wet ass production. Um, I like that. (laughs) 
if you could um, recommend uh, an instrument to some people in this world who may need some music therapy, um, which instrument would you recommend? I'm talking about Donald Trump, basically. If you <laughs> oh had Trump. to, if you Donald had to Trump. recommend an instrument for Donald Trump to calm down, which would instrument would it be? Um, to calm down, maybe a singing mm. ball. Or, 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 or whatever, really. Like, what do you think might, might suit him? Something that's within his capabilities. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing too complex. He, do you know what? He's got the pipe, doesn't he? Trumpet. He's got half his name in it. Yeah. <laughs> Trumpet's half. He's got, he's got the... He's got the he's got the part when he does that with his lips. So perfect trumpet. There we go. Yeah. Donald trumpet. Um, <laughs> Donald um, trumpet. Oh my god. Oh um, my god. That's a good one. Yeah. There you go. And he and, and he likes being loud and he likes shouting. So we could just you know he could put all that energy into blowing the trumpet. Um, and he might and you know what with a bit of practice and a bit of determination he might get very good. He might do a terrific job. Yeah. I th- I think there's a. There's a real possibility there. Yeah. I, I think we, on one of our podcasts, we asked, um, what instrument do you think Jesus would have played? Um, <laughs> oh, let me see. What instrument would he played? I think... Can you imagine him on deck? bass. I think bass. Definitely, he's got the hair for it. You could just imagine. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. You're Jesus so right, actually. What? What two tracks would DJ would DJ Jesus? What two tracks would would really hard to say? <laughs> Which two tracks would he remix? Um, Jesus, what do you think would be his? Uh, what would be on his Gabriel, algorithm? By, uh, <laughs> My favorite uh, bloody song. I tell you that. <laughs> so good. Um, that was actually the unofficial word oh, song because that was like the oh. only track we had um, that would play in the studio. So you'd walk in and that would just be on like day or night. It was always yeah, well, Gabriel. I think I think Jesus would remix Gabriel. Um, I think yeah. Gabriel. I'm going to listen to that. And let me see. Oh, the second one. There's there's a song I love by Orbital called Satan. It's great. <laughs> Maybe that one. I like that. I like that a lot. It's such a well it's thought. A very good combo. Yeah. You, obviously, <laughs> I, like I love how how diverse you are with with your music and how like we could probably name so many people like anyone from yeah like donald trump to rick and morty and you could probably tell me Mm. with so much thought what they would listen to but what are you listening to at the moment who have you got oh who am i listening to at the moment um at the moment i am listening to a lot of dj pleads music i really like dj pleads he is Mm -hmm a dj and producer i think i'm pretty sure he's from australia um and he he i think he's of lebanese background he adds a lot of lebanese influence into his music and he produces really cool bass heavy beats so i recommend if you you know you like bass music you like beats go listen to dj plead um he's churning out really great tracks um very regularly um he's on boiler room I love him. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of grime recently as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of grime, a little bit of drill. My flatmate is really enjoying tra- trap wave, and it's it's starting. It's 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 a bit you know it's not my thing, but it's starting to rub on rub off on me. A lot. Of <laughs> yeah, it does. It does do that, doesn't yeah, it? What what um, drill artists are you listening to? Um, for drill at the minute, I'm not really. Be- well, I've listened to a couple of Digger D's um, mm-hmm. latest tracks. At the minute, he's been very. He's been well since he's been out of prison. His popularity has like seems to seem to skyrocketed a bit. Um, it. He asked Digger D. I like Pines. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that's been out recently at the minute that I've been really enjoying. Um, I think I've been more listening to grime influenced music. I prefer grime over drill, but drill right. is oh. the popular genre with kids at the minute. It is very popular. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's 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 interesting. It's um it's all right to listen to. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I only really listen to grime over drill. I wonder if it's like an age thing. I think it I, is. I guess. I, oh, I, I listen to drill. Remember over grime. the? I remember like the. The not really the first wave of grime, but kind of. Mm. Do you like garage? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
we all like garage. That's what, yeah, that is probably, that is probably why, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I find myself listening to Drill. Sorry. I find myself listening to Drill more, actually. And I think maybe that's because a lot of people I work with listen to it. So it's more of a kind of like keeping up to date. Um, but yeah. then it's it's like you were saying, Luke, like the more you're kind of surrounded by those sounds, the more it kind of grows on you. And I definitely think that the more I've listened to Drill, the more I've sort of been able to appreciate the cryptic nature of it and uh, the simplicity. And I, I find that, like, I find, I know it's like the, the kind of the child of grime in a way, but... I do think that it is a really interesting genre within its own right. And all of this stuff is is incredibly political as well, which which gives it a real wealth of of history. And I think, yeah, I think I think it's great to kind of like listen to all of these things without hierarchy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I do I I think drill a lot of credit towards drill artists because their imagery and their use of metaphor is is really impressive. Um, it is quite vulgar. Grill drill can be very mm-hmm. vulgar and very immature at times. Um, and I, mm. I wouldn't really find myself, you know, appreciating that aspect of it. But what I do appreciate is their their actual bars, what they're saying. Um, and my flatmate, he's he's quite big into drill. He um he told me I think it was Digger D was. I think he was like one of the first musicians to be censored by the UK government. Um, yeah. Oh, really? So he wasn't allowed to say certain stuff. His music was actually taken off, taken um, off air. Some of his music was banned because um, he's talking about like, real life crimes, real life murders, quite provocative stuff. And so I think he's, I think he's one of the, fact check me on this, please. Um, I think he's one of the first people to be censored by the government here. Um, and as a result, you've got mm. lots of street lingual being used, lots of metaphors for, you know, involvement with crime. And it's really creative. Mm. Definitely. I think also for me, I I mean, for, for grime and drill, I mean, particularly grime, because obviously, I know for me, I, I think it's really resourceful and kind of started off just like people making music. The reason Garage called Garage, it was all made in garages, really. And it was all just like basic, basic um pieces of kit mm-hmm. you know everything was on phones and passed mm-hmm. around and I think like the reason so the reason that the grime BPM is 140 is because that's the default setting on Fruity Loops which is where yeah. everyone was making it which yeah. I think is just like yeah so it's just like I just like that people just like made made music with no kind of airs and graces mm-hmm. it was just to get something out and there's something yes. very immediate about mm-hmm. it yeah um yeah and actually, it might be good to touch a little bit on your production because yeah. I'd love to know what you kind of do when you you sit down to write a track and you open up Logic. I Ableton. use Ableton Live um, to produce my music. I have. I started off first being introduced to Garage Band uh, when I was I was seventeen, yeah. eighteen. Then I got into when I tried Logic a little bit, like a step up from Garage Band. Then at university, I had access to Pro Tools, and so I used Pro Tools throughout university. That's it really was. hard. <laughs> that's a that's like a real. Um, I just think it's like it's and do you mad, know what? You, you don't need to use Pro Tools unless you're like mixing and mastering in <laughs> the studio. Um, yeah, and you're doing very complex things. You don't need to. You don't need Pro Tools um, if you're making your own music at home. Any of the more simpler DAWs are absolutely fine for you. Um, but I felt I fell in love mm. with Ableton Live because of its layout, because of um, how you're able mm. to trigger tracks live and build blocks of music on top of each other. So it's got a very sort of um, accessible way to it's accessible way to build your music in the moment and create tracks. I find it really good for writing tracks. Mm. It is very. I don't want to use the term logical because I don't want to get it confused with logic, but I do find it very, I find it really logical to kind of look at and, um, yeah, like the triggering side. And I think it's got some nice, um, I want to say plugins, but like, you know how you can like Mm. use it for like VJing and stuff like that. I think it works Mm -hmm. with a lot of other programs, which is really cool. Um, And what do you, what do you do first? What's the first thing you do in your production? Do you, do you do the bass first? Um, When I produce music, you know what? It's different every time. Um, it's definitely every time I will, I'll, I'll sit down. Usually I'll, I'll find a sample 
or one lip or one sample that I really like and I'll start to, I put it in the track and I lip it um, and I start to build off it. So I usually start with one sound or one sample, one idea. I put it down and I put a beat to it. Once I got the beat, then I start to maybe think about any chords I'm going to use. It all depends if I'm using chords or not. It depends what genre of music. Um, then I'll add a bass line. Um, sometimes I'll sit down at my piano at home and come up with a chord progression. Then record it in. Sometimes, you know, I'll just be, I've got little synthesizers. Sometimes I'll just be basically just pissing around with like the sounds on it. I'll go, oh, <laughs> that sounds nice. This sounds very acidy. Like, yeah. I'm just like messing about and then I record it in. All right. I've got, I've done like an hour of recording. I find two seconds. It sounds good. We're going to use those two seconds. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of time wasting, but it is time well wasted. <laughs> that's all good like that. and then what's your uh what's your sync your single in in january is coming yeah. out mm. what is what's the uh what's the genre what's it what's it like uh, it will be out on the 15th of january and Woo. it's gonna be on spotify soundcloud apple music uh i've got Exciting. some records cut as well um so yeah i'm going probably going to be selling the records through Bandcamp. um I've only got a few made, um, so they will be expensive. Uh, <laughs> that must be so exciting, though, to have like something that you physically made, mm. and printed and into vinyl, like yeah. forever. Do you want to see a copy of it? Let me go. Oh, me go always, it. yes, always. I like it. Sounds good. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very pleased with the artwork. <laughs> Yeah, sick. Oh, wow. Who did um, it? I got an artist of Fiverr. So. <gasps> no way. He, he was very good. I'm not going to say his name. He's he's mine, not yours. Um, <laughs> that's so sick. cool. Sick. And um, we'll be able to, I mean, our listeners will get to see this because when it all comes so out, beautiful. we will be posting it and uh, we'll, we'll have lots of links to Luke's music and the artwork, yeah. which I think, I think the artwork suits your music so well. I'm really excited to hear it. It's so exciting. I always think it must be so nice to make, to make yeah. something in such a, like something physical in such a digital age. It's, um, so this will be a, this will be so a cool. deep house um, single. It's quite deep. It's quite, um, I was listening to a lot of Orbital at the time when I made it. And I was messing around with lots of synths and chord progressions and making, trying to make the music sound quite um, liturgical, almost. Um, uh. And after finish mixing it, fun, after having it finished, being mastered, I'm sick of listening to it. <laughs> I've listened to it so much. <laughs> I want to release it. It's, it's good. Go listen to it. But, you know, I, I want to move on to the next project. I want to release the next EP. I've got a, a new EP that's almost finished and um, it's completely different and I'm enjoying that's it so exciting. much. Sweet. Sweet. So that's so that's So your EP won't really be Deep House? Um, or? It's going to be more, it's, it's going to be more bass, um, bass influence music. It's going to be... It's going to be a bit left field beats, bass heavy music. Um, yeah, I would describe it as bass. Oh, nice. How exciting. So, so um, yes. one kind of final question. I know it's really hard to imagine, but where do you think you'll be? What do you think you'll be? Where, when, what do you think you'll be doing in like a year's time? Do you think you'll have your EP released by then? Do you think you'll be hopefully playing out if things are all good? That's true. The, the EP um, is, you know, it's coming very, it's coming on well. I, yeah, in a year's time, it will be released. Definitely, I want to get it out as quick as possible. I'm really happy with it. Um, this once I want to get the single out, then I want to get the EP out, then I'll get the next album out. I want to keep churning out music. The next thing, amazing. Oh wait, actually, one last question before we kind of sign off. Do you do you do all of the production yourself, or do you have like collaborators, co-producers on it? So for the e the EP at the minute, I've done everything myself. Um, for this single. I, I'll write it all myself. I'll record everything myself. Um, I'll mix it myself. Uh, this single, I did send it off to my friend wow. Doug. And Doug mixed it a little bit for me. I needed another set of ears. Um, um, it, Shout out, it, Doug. Was, uh, it was a few years ago. And I just, you know, I, I was not as confident with my mixing. And I just wanted another set of ears. Because when you spend hours and hours mixing something, you get you start to doubt yourself. And you need someone else to come in with mm. fresh ears and maybe make a few changes. So, yeah, Doug did do a little mix on this for me. And then it was mastered by Dom Kirtley. 
Right. Amazing. Sick. Well done. Very DIY. That's incredible. We love it. We love you must feel really proud. I'm, yeah, I'll do what I'm going to practice taking the compliment. Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> Luke, you have been such an angel to um, to interview. And thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for keeping up with the technical issues. Never happens to me, but it's fine. Thank you so much for your authenticity and honesty as usual. It's always a pleasure to talk to you about what you're doing and how you bring all different aspects of what you do into your creative process. It's just a pleasure. I'm really glad that we had this conversation. I know I've been really looking forward to talking to you on the podcast. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting to you too. It's been, it's been oh, really yeah. nice. It's been really relaxing as well. So, oh, it's quite energetic, but quite, you know, it's been, it's been quite a chilled out <laughs> podcast. Yeah. It's been plug myself. Uh, I just go check out my SoundCloud, Lucas Aid, check the single out on Spotify. Um, give me a follow, give it a like yeah. by actually, you know, interacting with it. That really helps me out. And it really helps me out with the difficult algorithms. Um, and find me on social media under Lucas Aid. Yep. We'll have all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Ooh, bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>